Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuberless. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. And I'm sick, as perhaps you can tell by the sound of my voice and the cost that I will have periodically. <coughs> Case in point, I will do my best to edit, edit, edit those out, coughs and sneezes and other bodily noises as I do, but if I miss some, I will say apologies. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I will spoil the living bejesus out of these movies because it is more difficult to not do so than it is to do so, so that is what I do, because if it's hard, I don't do it. Ah... <sighs> Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> no, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes as that is what helps podcasts grow and flourish, flourish, flourish. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related midness, which is today's sponsor, which is the My Little Machete Cutting is Magic Knife Machete thing. Oh, boy. Once again, today's sponsor is the My Little Machete Cutting is Magic Knife Machete thing. Uh, <coughs> sick, did I mention? Mm-hmm. Today I have two. Count? Well, no need to count them. Just trust me, that will be two movies that I will be discussing today. Discussing movies that are so incredibly different from one another is uh, interesting. Yeah. How about that? Because <laughs> sometimes I try to find a theme between the movies that fit into a Movie Monday episode, and I don't think it's going to be possible. Why don't I just tell you what both movies are? The first movie is Bronies, colon, the, uh, the extremely unexpected fans of My Little Pony. The other one is Machete Kills. Ah, yes. Uh, we're going to start with Bronies. This is a movie I kept hearing about. It seemed everywhere I turned, someone was mentioning it. Uh, it's a documentary, which I love good documentary. And uh, I knew it was something that the missus would enjoy for... She likes things with, let's say, unusual people. Yeah. Things like uh, the show The Undateables, which uh, I know I'm fairly certain I brought back on a TV Tuesday quite a while ago. Quite a while ago, yeah, quite a while ago, things where perhaps the people on it do not fit into the category known as norm, 
Al, are not the norm, Al. Uh, so uh, I knew it would be her, up her alley. We actually had a couple over for some drinks and uh, watched this. And uh, I gotta say, I liked it. Yeah, it was uh, it was very very good. I I, I forgot to get her rating. Duh. Oops. But uh, if I had to guess, I think she'd give it like a a three out of five. Which, if you are unfamiliar with the missus's rating scale, it is broken. And she gave say, well, the highest movie I, I think she's ever given was Rush Hour. Gets a five out of five, and then every other movie ever gets lower than that. Basically, that's the basic scale. The basic emphasis of brokenness is emphasized there. For my rating, I'm going to go three to four out of five. I did enjoy it. I like the little behind-the-scenes of this phenomenon, because it is a phenomenon, that is for sure. If you are unfamiliar with bronies, it is male fans of My Little Pony, quite often adult age, which... For a show that is somewhat, if not mainly, geared towards young girls, is strange. That being said, because I'm a big nerd, I do, on certain levels, get it. I do understand these guys and the whole idea of fandom in general and and sort of rallying around this thing in particular. Uh, I, I could see how it makes sense. Whereas the missus and the couple I was watching this with, I don't think... Uh, did see how it could at all make sense that these guys like this show. Now, where, uh, I don't know if it was just the creators of this movie, or this is sort of an actual real slicing of the demographic of bronies, but the uh, individuals in which they chose to follow during the course of this movie were, uh, uh, let's just say odd ducks. Odd ducks. Um, socially, I don't know if inept is the right word, but just perhaps not 100% again, normal. Well, do you ever want to be 100% normal? That's kind of boring. Uh, you know what? I mentioned the undateables already, and some of the folks on the undateables you could perhaps see reflected in some of the folks in this movie. Probably the prime example is uh, the missus' favorite episode of The Undateables is with this guy with a very, very squeaky high voice who has Asperger's. And one of the uh, guys that we met in this documentary had a normal voice, so he's, he's, I guess, one up on the other guy, but also had Asperger's and <laughs> wore like a hat with a feather in it. A uh, real feather in his cap. <laughs> so, you know, just dudes like that. Something, a lot of this focused on them going to uh, BronyCon, which is, as you can imagine, similar to Comic-Con or my experiences at Fan Expo, but uh, focused mainly or only on My Little Pony. With specific regards to bronies, I guess? There were girls there as well. That was cool because uh, you got to see some of the voice actors. For me, the coolest is, is two peoples. One in the form of Tara Strong. Tara Strong, who does the voice of, uh, on the show, Twilight Sparkle. I should perhaps say on that note that I've not actually seen a, a, an episode of My Little Pony. They did show some clips within this. And I do get the art style. It's very uh, pretty to behold. Sort of a little teeny, sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, 
uh, Adventure Time looking not, uh, I would say not as good to be 100% Amish with you, but uh, but still, but still pretty pretty to behold, which uh, I always appreciate in animation. That's one thing I will would never poo-poo is that I, I still to this day enjoy a good, well animated program. So maybe that's one of the things that helps me to understand this fandom a little bit. Anyways, Tara Strong, uh, if you ever have a chance, look at her IMDb page. It's just friggin' crazy. Uh, she does the voice of Harley Quinn in uh, the Batmans, Batman the Animated Series, and so on. So for that reason alone, very much like her. And then, my favorite, Mr. John DeLancey. I always want to say John DeLance, but it's John DeLancey who plays uh, one of the main bad guys by the name of Discord. He's, uh, I checked his as well. He's only done six episodes of this very many episode program, I think in the 80s, 80 some odd episodes. And so that was kind of surprising because <coughs> he seemed to be very big into it as far as while attending this BronyCon, and yet has only done six episodes. I love him. Friggin' Q, man. It's Q. Also, when he appeared recently on Breaking Bad, oh, I should say recently from the point of view of the Mrs. and I watching Breaking Bad, I should say. So the bronies in this movie really, really sort of run the gamut. There's there's young ones, like kids. There's old ones. Uh, one of them, <laughs> if you're going to be old and be into a children's show, make sure your glasses are not of the pedophilic Variety, perhaps. <laughs> there's uh, effeminate ones. There's manly ones. There's uh, including like I, I forget how he tags himself the the manliest My Little Pony fan, something of that that nature. I suppose maybe the demographic they chose is super fans as opposed to just fans. Like, and I think there is a distinction between a fan and a super fan, and I think potentially this would be a good movie to emphasize the differences between each. Where you're, where you're taking your fandom and turning it into a sort of life philosophy. Uh, that's, that's sort of super fan level. One part, something I like of this whole My Little Pony thing, is that their, their underlying message is one of being nice to one another, uh, being friendly, uh, you know, just friggin' nice shit. Let's boil it down. My Little Pony's message is to be nice. Uh, so I, I don't get how you could be too angry at people for liking something that the message is, is be nice. And I think if that's going to be, if you're going to, if you're going to have a takeaway, take that away. That uh, fans of My Little Pony enjoy it for the message of niceness for everyone. Hell, we end this podcast with it's nice to be nice to the nice, so you know what? It's nice to be nice to the bronies for the reason that they're nice. How about that? Okay, so let's move on to movie the second, which, going from um, bronies to machete kills, or machete, uh, the whole machete, machete thing, that, that always gets me. Is it is it machete, as we've known growing up, called it a machete? But then sometimes in the movie they call him Machete. A uh, whole big thing. Whole big thing. If you are unfamiliar with this now series, Machete is a fake movie, or rather, uh, a, mov a fake movie trailer that was created during the uh, Planetarian Death Proof 
double feature by Mr. Quentin Tarantino. And one of the fake movie trailers was one called Machete, starring Danny Trejo. What he did, and I think it was Quentin Tarantino, no? Or is it somebody else? Maybe he did the first one, but didn't do this one. Anyways, what has happened is, they turned it into an actual movie. I, I guess people so enjoyed the fake trailer, they're like, yeah, I would watch that movie. I'd watch the shit out of that movie. Now, the first one's pretty crazy. This one, I believe, has amped up the craziness for the reason that we end up in space. I, I suppose there's that. Which, kind of strange on that note, that this movie started with a fake trailer for the movie Machete Kills in Space. So, does that mean that there's gonna make, they're gonna make a third one called Machete Kills in Space? They set it up at the end for the possibility that that could happen. Whether it does or not, I don't know. Uh, movie starts with his partner, played by Jessica Alba. A very, very brief scene at the beginning where she is killed. So he wants revenge, obviously. That's kind of his deal. He wants to kill people with a machete. Sure. Ends up... Uh, I don't even remember how. <laughs> the story in this is not greatly important. Ends up basically working for the president. The president who's played by Charlie Sheen. Let me just do something here. Um, the president, played by Charlie Sheen. Aha. Uh -huh working for him in order to stop Mexican terrorists. Yeah, because you know those Mexican terrorists, they're pretty uh, pretty badass. In order to find this Mexican terrorist, he's going to find his daughter, the Mexican terrorist's daughter, who's working at a brothel. A brothel run by Sofia Vergara. What? Sofia Vergara. Very, very dark in this movie. Got a bit of that uh, uh, dominatrix thing going talks of being abused by her father as a child and then biting his testicles off and going to school with pieces of testicle meat still stuck in her braces. Yeah, that dark. This movie's fucked. Fucked. There is a uh, bad guy after Machete, which is his name, Danny Trejo, who's called El Chameleon for the reason that he can sort of change how he looks. So, this character is played by three four different people. First, Walton Goggins, I think perhaps an actor that may not recognize the name, but if you got to look at his IMDb page, I'm sure you would recognize him. Then, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., that was crazy, I haven't seen him in a long time, so to see him in this sort of badass role, very, very strange. Equally, or more strange, question mark? Next plays, played by Lady Gaga, yes, that Lady Gaga. And lastly, played by uh, Antonio Banderas. So that one, he, he plays it not as a Mexican, though. So Antonio Banderas as, like, a white man. So, <laughs> very, very strange all around. And I love it. Uh, okay, so the terrorist, who's played by Dominion Beecher, who played uh, a Mexican uh, mayor politician in the television show Weeds, He's got, like, a multiple personality disorder, where one is super, super evil and one is, well, not. So Danny's sort of mission is to kill him. However, learns that there is a atomic uh, gas, evil, evil gas-tipped bomb rigged up so that if this guy dies, it will fire and uh, destroy Washington. So can't kill him. 
has to take him back to the States where there's only one person alive who can uh, disarm this heart bomb. Oh boy. That one person comes in the form of the evil man behind the scenes of this entire movie in the form of Mel Gibson. Yeah, some friggin' crazy big names in this, I guess. So, your main bad guy is Mel Gibson. Crazy. Uh, Mel Gibson suffers, or is gifted, with permanent deja vu. Something with cosmic rays in space, I don't know. One of those story elements that didn't really make too, 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 too much sense, but whatever. <laughs> For some reason, he's a big Star Wars fan. For example, he has an army of clones. He drives in a sand speeder. He freezes Michelle Rodriguez in carbonite. Things of that nature. His evil master plan is basically to uh, destroy the Earth and restart in space. Uh huh. It's pretty evil, sure. He uh, basically fails in the destroying of the Earth part of his plan, but does manage to make it up to space where Danny Trejo has to follow him, right? Get his revenge on for all the wrongs and things. How does he get up into space, you may ask? Well, who are you going to call? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yes, Elon Musk is in this movie as himself, as creator of SpaceX. Yeah. A lot of the people in this movie sort of blew me away, like, holy shit, can you believe he's in this movie? But Elon Musk sort of takes the cake for me. If you are unfamiliar with him, please, please, maybe do a little research. He's sort of, how would you describe him? This generation's Alexander Graham Bell? Sure. Yeah, it's as good as any description. Uh, this movie ends with a kind of a shitty cliffhanger, and that is uh, Machete gets up into space, and then it almost sort of turns into a trailer for Machete Kills in space, and that's how it kind of ends. So nothing's really resolved as far as Mel Gibson, which uh, is a shame. Although, in a movie where the story's not sort of uber important for the reason that it's just a crazy, ridiculous action movie, I suppose not ending the story to a conclusion, uh, basically, at all. <laughs> it's not 100% a negative. If you did not notice, it seems that uh, some way, and this happens from time to time, I forgot to give my rating of Machete. Uh, I'm going to go, if you like a crazy, ridiculous action movie, solid four, maybe even some five out of five moments. If you don't, well, you're probably going to give it less than that. Uh, so, that is all. Alright folks, I'm at work. So, we're gonna mark that down in the win column. I will say, as I do, though, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address. Mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. 
Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.